Let's all join together and pray. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts who are here be pleasing in your sight, for you are our rock. You are our redeemer. Amen. So as I sat there on the massive concrete barrier, waiting for the rest of my family, but really waiting to watch Nora and her first reaction to seeing the Milwaukee Bucks basketball stadium on a game day, I noticed that there was a ton of stuff that was going on, a ton of things looking for my attention. Way over there on the left in the distance, there was this drum corps that was just banging on drums. And eventually we walked over and we watched them and that was pretty cool. But where I was sitting, I was close to the, the drop-off lane for the cars. And the cars would zip up and then all the doors would open and uh, people that were a little bit slower from different things that they'd been doing before, they started walking off into the distance into the stadium. As we got closer to game time, the crowds that were around started to get bigger and bigger and tons of people were there. But out of all those people and out of everything that was going on, there were two people that stood out for me. They were two people that were standing on the other corner opposite me and then there was one guy who was a little bit closer to me and it was clear they were not waiting like the rest of us to get inside for the game. All the crowds of people that were there intentionally were kind of walking far away from them so that they wouldn't have to look at them, so that they wouldn't have to interact with those people. And what was the attention-getting thing that they were doing? Well, these two guys, they had massive signs that they were holding up, very clear for everybody to hear and to see. And you know what was on their signs. It's our series theme for this week and next week. It's up on the screen. Up on their signs, it said, The end is near. Now, I don't know about you guys, but a situation like this has always made me feel at least a little bit uncomfortable. And I think it's because many of us, we don't really want to have to interact with people who are so in your face about something. That kind of feels like a scare tactic, right? It feels like maybe their only goal is to intimidate you, to make you a little bit more afraid. And if that's someone's only goal, to make you intimidated and afraid so that you might actually have a conversation and listen to their words, it's not necessarily a thing that we want to lean into so much. So that might not be my personal strategy for sharing my faith with people for the first time. But what I can say is for people that choose that, is their strategy, that that's the way that they want to share their faith, I can say this. They're not wrong. The end is near. Again, to be fair, it is scary. There are tough and difficult things that are happening because the end is near. In fact, you heard it. Jesus tells us this. Jesus wanted his disciples and us to know what the end was going to look like. It was just a couple of days before Jesus would go to the cross and he took this opportunity to tell his disciples and to tell us, get ready because this is what the end is going to look like. 
Some of his disciples were remarking about the temple and how it was adorned with beautiful stones and with gifts dedicated to God. But Jesus said, As for what you see here, the time will come when not one stone will be left on another. Every one of them will be thrown down. How do you react to something like that when what they were looking at was this? I mean, the temple was a fortress. Part of it was built to be able to withhold an army coming and attacking. And you can see all of the stones. There are these massive stones that have been carved. Thousands of pounds, tons upon tons, stacked on top of each other. And even today, it would take some pretty heavy ammunition to knock this thing down. This is what they were looking at. And that's what Jesus said. What you see here, these things that look like they're going to last forever throughout all time, it's going to be wiped out and leveled. And the only thing that's going to be left is dust. Now, I'm sure his disciples good and freaked out from that first little bit of what Jesus was saying. They asked, teacher, when will these things take place? And what will be the sign that they're about to happen? And I think you can hear it in their questions. They, they were afraid. They wanted to know little signs and hints and clues of what was coming so that maybe, just maybe, they could escape and watch out and not be part of these awful things. But Jesus said more for them. He replied, Watch out that you're not deceived. For many will come in my name claiming, I am he and the time is near. Do not follow them. When you hear of wars and uprisings, do not be frightened. These things must happen first, but the end will not come right away. Yes, believers, these things are coming. And there's more. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes, famines, and pestilences in various places. Fearful events and great signs from heaven. Not good stuff. And you can imagine for these guys listening to Jesus that their eyes just are getting bigger and bigger because Jesus wasn't even done yet. But before all this, they will seize you and persecute you. They will hand you over to synagogues, to places of worship that should be safe places, and put you in prison. And you will brought, be brought before kings and governors, all on account of my name. You will be betrayed even by parents, brothers and sisters, relatives and friends. And they will put some of you to death. Everyone will hate you because of me. I mean, doesn't it sound like Jesus is giving real reasons for his disciples and for us to be afraid of the awful things that are coming, they don't necessarily sound good. They sound pretty terrifying. Do you want to know something else that's pretty terrifying for me? It's uh, not the car, not Tesla in itself. What's terrifying for me is if I ever would get in one of these things and put it on autopilot, and then take it onto the freeway. Whoa. 
I mean, how many of you could do that and feel comfortable? Nobody? Good. A couple, Sam. Thank you. At least one person. You're bold. You're brave. Good for you, Sam. I couldn't do that, right? Imagine how it would feel knowing that this car is driving you as you get onto the freeway and it starts speeding up to 70 miles an hour and you start cruising. I know what I'd be doing. I'd be gripping onto the seat down there and the handle up there and you see the accident coming up and you feel that thing slam on the brakes. You're going to start thinking the end is near as you're sitting in this car, right? No. If I'm going to be in a dangerous situation, like a car on a freeway with big and bad stuff coming up, where do I want to be? I want to be sitting up front. I want to have two hands on the wheel. If bad and scary things are coming up, I want to be in the one who's in control, watching over what's going on in front of me. I wonder if Jesus' disciples were starting to feel a little bit like that as they listened to his words about the end. I wonder if they started making plans in their heads how they were going to deal with all of what was going on. But I think more than that, I, I think they were wondering if Jesus knows all of this of what's coming up, if the one that we've watched work miracle after miracle knows all of this, why would he let this happen? Why would he let us go through these awful things too? I think that they must have struggled listening to him because questioning God is something that is pretty easy to do, right? God, why are you allowing the war in Ukraine to keep going on month after month for people to die? And for what? God, why could you not have steered Hurricane Ian away from the Florida coast and saved billions of dollars of damage, hundreds of lives, and instead you let it hit? God, how can you let our country be a place of hate and hurt and divisiveness, even in our communities too? God, how can you let us go through all of the awful and wicked things in our world around us and then all of the awful and terrible personal experiences that you and I have had in our lives that, let's be honest, are probably too many to count. We question God. We wonder, if God is God, how could he let any of this happen? But I think if you want to question God, if you want to get personal with God and ask him about his plans and how he's doing stuff, I think really, you got to get personal with yourself first too. Because the question that you and I need to start with really isn't God, what are you doing? It should be, God, how come you don't destroy me? How come you don't wipe me off the face of the earth? Because yet yeah, you and I know, right? God, you know how awful I am. God, you know how I hurt people. You know what I did in the past. You know what I continue to struggle with now. You know me and how messed up I am. God, why not me? You and I have to realize that 
when we're talking about the end times, when we're talking about our end of this world, we have every reason to be terrified because God should be wiping us out too. Now, a lot of you are like me, except maybe Sam. A lot of you are like me and uh, Tesla, self-driving, freeway, fast speeds. That's eh, not really going to be for you in your future. But how do you feel about something more like this? A coach bus. How do you feel about riding on those things, right? Well, they're not bad. It's this massive, massive thing. And all right, we feel comfortable hopping on this thing. But the challenges are all still there, aren't they? I mean, going on the freeway, 70, 80 miles an hour in one of these things, that, that's pretty interesting. They speed up the same way. They have to brake, and probably the brakes on a Tesla are going to work a whole lot better than this thing. Because these things are massive, there's just more to get into accidents when you're riding on one of these things. But how do you and I feel about these things? A whole lot better. So what's the difference? What makes us comfortable riding on one of these things and not in the car? Well, when you and I hop on one of these things, what do we know? There's a professional who's in control. There's a professional who's driving and steering and guarding and guiding. So much so that if you're like me, you hop on one of these things and it doesn't take long and you can fall asleep. When Jesus tells us about the end, he tells us, it is going to be scary. He tells us that there are awful, terrible things that are happening now and are going to continue to happen all the way until the end. He tells us that the end is near. But here's the cool thing, Christians. The end is near, but he's in control. He's the one who's telling his disciples and us what's going to happen. And how does Jesus end? His description of the end for us. These are unbelievable words. After all of that, after Jesus says, some of you are going to die, he says this, but you, disciples, you believers, not a hair of your head will perish. Stand firm and you will win life. This changes things, right? Jesus is in control of all of what's going on. He allows the bad to come, but only up to a point. No, no hair of your head is going to be destroyed and wiped out like that temple was leveled. No, the end for you and I means the end of wickedness, the end of the awful things in this world. It's not going to last. It gets destroyed. Everything bad we know, everything bad we've lived, all the bad things that we've contributed, every doubt about the goodness of God, the end for us is the end of all of that. Because Jesus brought sin to an end when he used some of his last words to say, it is finished. That's the end for us. Jesus is in control so that all of this, when it happens, for us, what does that mean? We get life. A couple months ago, I got to knock off uh, one of the bucket list things that I've had on a bucket list for a long time. It's something that I've been waiting years to be able to do, and finally, my brother-in-law gave me an excuse to do it. I got to go 
skydiving for the very first time. And yes, I'm doing it again. And anybody and everybody that wants to join me on my next time, come. It's going to be fun. But here's the thing that was most surprising to me as I went through this experience. What was crazy for me is just how safe I felt through all of it. There never was this rush of fear that hit me in any of it. When it was my turn uh, to edge up to the door and fall out of a plane from 10,000 feet, I didn't hesitate even for a single moment. And as I was free falling through the air at something like 100, 120 miles an hour, I was at peace with all of it. Why? How? How could any of that be reality for me? Even on my first time, well, because I wasn't alone on any of this. <laughs> if it were up to me, uh-uh, I would have been freaking out. It would have been bad. But it was a tandem skydive because who was attached to my back? Again, a professional. A someone who knew what they were doing. Someone who made sure that we were going to get to the ground and it would be safe and fun and peaceful. Brothers and sisters, that is the kind of feeling that Jesus gives us about the end. You and I can live in these awful end times without fear or pressure or anxiety through any of it because we know Jesus has this in his hands. Jesus is the one who's holding us up through all of it too. Did you hear what he said? What should we do when we're in these high-pressure, intense situations when big leaders who have big power persecute us and attack us and come against us? What should you and I do? Nothing. So you'll bear testimony to me, but make up your mind not to worry beforehand about how you'll defend yourselves. For I will give you words and wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. Jesus tells us, don't even prepare. Don't do anything. I got you. He reminds us in all of this, he's in control. And that means no fear. No fear when you see the people with the signs. No intimidation. No anxiety for you. Because of Jesus, no brokenness inside of you that you'll ever have to experience in a world again. You are someone whose heart is continually and daily being healed. The life that you and I get to live, even now, even in the end, is one at peace. And that, brothers and sisters, is the life that we want other people to see in us. Because, yeah, the end is near, but he's in control. Amen? Amen.